Welcome to the Women Changing the World podcast, a podcast on a mission to bring you some of the most amazing women I know who are doing incredible things to generally make the world a better place. From corporate sustainability to straight up magic and everything in between, you'll meet the real life humans who are birthing the new. I'm your host, Liz Vest, and I'm here to amplify the stories and voices of women who are changing the world. Today, I am so excited to sit down with Raquel Reyes, a consulting astrologer who I have learned a ton from, from how to manifest to how to consult the stars in my life and business. Um, She is an absolute wealth of knowledge, and I am so excited for you to listen to our conversation. Hi. Oh my goodness. I could not be more excited for today's episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. I am here with Raquel Reyes, consulting astrologer, who is someone who I have benefited immensely from working with over the past year plus um, in my journey, getting to know more about astrology. She's such a wealth of knowledge. Um, Again, just I'm over the moon, and I know that's like a terrible pun, Um, (laughs) but uh, but really excited to be here with you, Rack. Um, So maybe before we jump into questions, um, I would love if you wouldn't mind giving just like a brief introduction of who you are and what you do, um, and then definitely will want you to share more of your story later on in our conversation. Beautiful. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. I absolutely adore you and everything that you do. So I also- So mutual. (laughs) Thank you. I really do. Like this podcast is such a pleasure. So thank you so much for having me. And also just thank you so much to everyone out there listening and for spending a little bit of time with us today. Um, I'm an astrologer, of course, and yeah, I'm currently living in Florida. I just moved, did a big cross-country move. I've been working on a lot of manifestations of my own, and I've been doing a lot of shifting around, but I'm an astrologer, and I'm here down in Florida, and yeah, I am a Virgo sun, a Capricorn moon, and a Sagittarius rising. Ah, so fun. I was going to ask you to share those uh, three details. So thank you so much for for sharing them up front. Yes. Always happy to share the big three. (laughs) Totally. I feel like it's so nice and helpful to like know what people's big three are. Recently, I've even been having fun trying to guess when people don't know. (laughs) So much fun. It's one of my favorite things to do with people is, is to guess, especially when you start getting into the moon sign. And if you know the person, it's really fun. Uh, absolutely. Well, we will talk more about astrology in a minute. But first, one of my favorite questions to ask all my guests kind of up front is, if you could change one thing about the world, what do you think the one thing you would want to change would be? Such a brilliant but tough to answer question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think for me, I would keep it simple and say that I really wish if I could change one thing about the world, it would be to really answer kind of this issue that I see. And it is that not everyone has fair or equal access to really basic necessities. And I would love to see that change across the world because I think that we would live in quite a different world if every single person just had that fair and equal access to food, shelter, and water. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I could not agree more. And it's so wild that we live in a world where the resources exist to make that happen. And we have not made that happen yet. Yeah, definitely. It's something that I think about just how disproportionately echoed things are. And um, yeah, I really love you for asking that question. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the Women Changing the World podcast, so I certainly am hoping that we can all, you know, be the small part of these changes that we're hoping to see. Um, But kind of, I guess, in that vein, I'm curious to know, like, how are you spending your days right now? Like, what are you up to these days? So a lot has changed in my life. I'm sure, like, everyone listening, like you as well, since, of course, the big P word came around and we're still here. 
So I feel like, to be honest with you, in full transparency, my life took a bit of um, this weird standstill um, in 2020. And I had to kind of get really clear and grounded on what it meant to be a business owner, what it meant to be an astrologer, what it meant to live where I was living. I was in a long distance relationship at the time. So that's you know why I moved. And I was not spending my days, I think up until we got to 2020, I don't know that I was spending my days really in accordance to what truly brings me pleasure, to what I think now is truly effective work. I think I was kind of just coasting along and doing maybe what I thought I should be doing. And what I want to say today is that I really did take that pause, that intentional space in 2020. And so now today, my days have a lot of yin, um, a lot of passion, a lot of pleasure, a lot of creativity, and a lot of napping. Oh my goodness. That is so great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's great. It's a great, it's a small but mighty feat to accomplish, especially because I really dismantled a lot of my own like capitalist tendencies during that slowdown time, that period of time. And I dismantled a lot of my own hustle mentality. So it sounds funny, but to be able to take a nap is as an entrepreneur sometimes is kind of a big deal. Totally, totally. I know that's something that we've talked about at various points over the past year. And I feel like deprogramming the hustle is something that like I've been doing so much work around. It's something I know a lot of my clients work on. Um, I feel like, you know, it's it's been something that's ongoing. Um, do you have any like thoughts or tips as to how you've been able to so effectively create more of that space for yourself to be creative and to enjoy yin and to take naps in the middle of the day? Yeah. So for me personally, it came through getting really motivated, like you said in the beginning, to sort of be that change and to take up the space in my role and my part. And so what happened was as events began turning, as we continue to move through 2020 and even through to today, I was seeing things and getting really engaged with current events. And what I was seeing was that so much did need to change. And I knew that in order to help be someone to facilitate that, I just knew that I had to change. Um, and so really that's kind of where everything started. And I think that when I center the fact that I'm in control of my days and that when I'm in control, that's when I get to create change. I think that that's how I'm able to create the space. It's not always easy to create the space, but it's kind of like going to the dentist. Like you schedule it in and you make your time for it and you're so happy that you went. Mm -hmm. Totally. But like sometimes like every moment up until like the moment that you walk out is <laughs> you're meeting oh, that yeah. resistance. I'm like, do oh, I yeah. have to do this right now? Yeah. And resistance is something that I also, if this is helpful, I've also made friends with resistance in the best way possible and in the ways that I can. When I feel resistance, I know that there's a part of me that's feeling really afraid to grow. And I just use that as an opportunity to ask that part of myself to show up, present itself and like, hey, let's work together. Mm, I love that. Making friends with resistance. Um, well, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more kind of big picture. One of the things that I find really fun and fascinating and ask you know everyone who comes on the podcast is I love to hear about people's like career journeys of how like how does one become you know a well-known astrologer? Like what has your journey to where you are now looked like? Yeah, so I've been on quite a journey like most of us have, but I say that because my journey with astrology and the occult actually started when I was 10. Um, so I had a babysitter at that time who introduced me to my first deck of tarot cards. And oh, wow. At 10 years yeah, old? That's amazing. At 10. Yeah, I was at 10 years old. So I am a Latina. I'm Mexicana. And in our lineage, it's pretty common to, you know, get into the esoteric. And um, there's a lot of deities in the Catholicism that, you know, I grew up in as well. So, you know, I grew up like lighting candles to the Virgin Mary and making altars and doing all these things. Um, but it wasn't until um, preteen years that I started to read horoscopes, get into astrology. The first book I ever read actually was Linda Goodman's Sun Signs, which is a really old book um, from an old astrology writer. It was one of my favorite Aries ever. And it sort of made me realize that 
we are so much, there's so much to be explained by looking at astrology. And I thought it was really cool back then. And then I went through my high school years, didn't really care too much about it at that time because I was a really like angsty teenager. Um, <laughs> right? I'm like, but I was a hundred percent in the angsty teenager club. <laughs> I, to- I totally was. I thought I knew everything, you know how it goes. So I actually, um, and this kind of brings me to, I would say like the most pivotal part of my career was I turned 17 and I left home a little bit early. Um, I had a bit of a traumatic home life. And so that is at 17 when I left, I was staying with a friend who lived down the street from a library. And that's when I went to the library and I found the occult section and I started looking up astrology books. I started looking up tarot, palmistry, really anything I could get my hands on to consume um, this information and this knowledge, this higher wisdom, this consciousness that I felt like I had seen so many times before. And then at 18 years old, during an inverse nodal return, I had my first astrology mentor. So I would say my career with it really started during those pivotal times. Oh, wow. That's wild. I I don't even think I knew that you had started so young in your study of astrology. It was so young, the study, but the career part didn't actually come in until 2015. So for a little bit of context, I'm 33 now. Um, We're talking about when I was 18. So it was quite a bit a while ago. But um, the career part happened during my Saturn return. So for everyone (laughs) listening, your Saturn return is an astrological rite of passage. Everyone has a Saturn return between the ages of 27 and 30. And it's basically a time in your life where you're catapulted into adulthood from your youth, ready or not. (laughs) And it was during that time that I really built my business. Now, prior to my astrology business, I had started a business hosting writing workshops for women all over the world. And travel was like a really big part of my life. And I was doing travel writing. But what would end up happening was after every writing workshop and every writing retreat, all everyone wanted to do was hurry up and get to the break or hurry up and get to the end so they could talk to me about their astrology. (laughs) Oh my gosh, really? Yes. And so it began to be something that I worked into my business. And then I realized that I had to just go for astrology and go all in. And I had already been studying at that point for maybe like, I think 12 years. So it was a full Jupiter cycle and it felt like the right time to go for it. Oh, wow. That is so cool to hear Um, and appreciate your explanation of the Saturn return. I feel like I didn't – I never heard of Saturn return until I was like in mine. (laughs) Until you were in it? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And I like broke up with my boyfriend, uh, left my job and moved all in the span of like six months. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's what's happening right now. It happens like that in the Saturn return. It's like these things in our lives. It's like you're on a hike and all of a sudden there's a switchback and then it just keeps happening. (laughs) That is such an astute metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that's so cool to hear. Um, And I mean, I feel like even just you're describing um, the Jupiter cycle and your Saturn return, like, I mean, those are two clear examples of how astrology not only is part of your business, but it's something that's been an influence on your life and business. Um, And so I imagine given what you do, you have so many examples of this. Um, But I'm curious for anyone who's like maybe a little astro curious, if you can share any other examples of like how astrology kind of plays a role in like your life and business right now, whether it's from a planning perspective or from a like, I don't know, knowing like getting an insight or intuition as to what to do next perspective. Like how do you look to the stars for guidance? So I'm a Virgo through and through and (laughs) I love to plan. I just, I get so much joy out of it. I derive so much pleasure out of a tangible day planner that I can write in with all my different colored pens and then highlight with all my different colored highlighters. So that being said, astrology is very much so something that you look into. It's almost similar to reading a book. You go there, you go to astrology to seek information. And one of my favorite places to look and one of the easiest places to look is actually the moon 
working with moon tracking, working with new moons, working with full moons. We generally have about one per month, one new moon, one full moon. Maybe you learn about the different moon phases. Maybe you learn about what moon phase you were born under. But working with the moon is really going to let you know when to push, when to slow down, when to take action, when to rest. And what I love the most about moon tracking is that the moon in astrology represents our heart. And so therefore it represents our mood. And I'm a very moody person as well. So it really helps me regulate my moods and know when I might be in an emotional high and when I might be in an emotional low. Totally. I love that so much. And actually, um, I feel like once I had some like started to have more awareness around like I would say like full moons, new moons and full moons, but around full moons in particular, I feel like I was getting these like full moon hangovers. Um, but I like didn't know that it was like a full moon hangover until I like ever was consistently looking at the calendar and I'm like, hmm, it's the full moon again. And I feel like this again, interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. With the full moon hangover and, you know, the new moon is always like this time to manifest and bring things in and sort of regenerate. And the full moon is quite literally when we're so full of energy that we want to release from six months ago. So it makes a lot of sense that you'd be feeling that hangover. Totally, totally. And I and I love the new moon for manifestation and like just like new beginnings as well. I think it's a fun way. Like, you know, so often I think we looked like the start of the calendar year as like a new start or people, you know, even now it's kind of like fall back to school season, like that can feel like a new start. But actually if you, when you start paying attention to the phases of the moon, it's like you can have a fresh start every like 28 days if you want. Yeah, totally. And there's actually different phases of the moon. So like the new moon is the time of the new beginnings. Then there's the waxing moon and that one's going to be like, okay, we decided what we're going to manifest. Now, how do we actually work towards those intentions? Then we have the first quarter moon and that's when we're able to um, implement our intentions and actually make really important decisions using this phase's momentum this is when like resistance might come up then there's the waxing phase of the moon or also known as the waxing gibbous and this is interesting because this is when we're refining this is when we're clarifying this is when we're assessing situations figuring out what we need to change in our lives and then after that is the full moon that we're talking about. And that's when everything around us is illuminated, even our intuition. In fact, especially our intuition. Ooh, I love that. And thank you so much for that great moon phase overview. That's so helpful. Of course. Um, I guess beyond um, moon tracking, um, I like I imagine, you know, if someone was really hoping to get a little bit more into astrology, I think so many people often only know their sun sign. So I, like I think to me, the most interesting kind of starting point would probably be to learn your rising and moon signs. Um, and I love I, I love how you describe it as like picking up a book. So like to kind of like, you know, find out what those are and then maybe start to learn a little bit more about them. Do you have other thoughts on like if someone wanted to kind of like dip a toe in to the astrological waters where you'd say they should start? Yes. Astro curious is such a beautiful place to be. So if you're listening and you find yourself astro curious, I want to promise you that it is not as intimidating as it looks. Um, but I do encourage everyone to cast their astrological natal chart. So everyone has a chart. And to cast your chart, you can go to astro.com for free. It's my favorite place to go. And once you have your chart, that's how you'll be able to determine what your rising sign is, what your moon sign is, and all of your other planets, as well as your north and south node of destiny. And those are two really important markers in astrology that I will usually turn beginners on to because it is life-changing. Oh my goodness. Well, you know I wanted to ask you um, about the nodes because it's something that I had never really heard of um, or even seen, I don't think, until like it came up um, through following you and working with you. Um, and so how, like, what, what is the North Node of Destiny for someone who's never heard of that before? So the North Node of Destiny, it's not a planet. The North and the South Node, they come together in a pair. So there's the nodes, we call them. There's two of them. So they come in a pair. They work on an axis. And they're actually fixed mathematical points in the sky. That's sort of the astronomical explanation of, of what we're talking about. But astrologically, the nodes of destiny are showing us 
where your soul has been, maybe your past life energy or your early life. And then your nor- that's the South Node. The North Node is showing us what your soul came here to embody in this lifetime. Ooh, I love that. And so um, for someone who is like, again, just learning about nodes for the first time, um, it, your your North and South Nodes, they take like they're on your chart in in a specific house and in a specific sign is that that's correct right yes so they work on an axis so your north node like for example if it's aries your south node will automatically be libra because libra's across the wheel so your north node and south node are automatically the signs opposite of each other on the zodiac so like i'm a north node in pisces my south node is automatically virgo because virgo and pisces are across the wheel so that's a really easy way to determine where your north and south node are and they're always going to be like you said in two different houses of your chart as well awesome and then those houses are also the houses that are directly across from each other but there's not any relationship like between your north node being in like your third house or like it can be in any house is that correct yeah so your north node what you're going to want to pay attention to is the sign and the house and then you want to remember that the north node that's the future possibility what our souls came here to embody fears to overcome what we're creating and then the south node is the past past lives our shadow familiar patterns skills we've acquired previous accomplishments and maybe what we're refining I love that. I know that for me, like that was something that held so much kind of like insight. I, I guess I'll say for lack of a better word, when I started looking at that, especially from like the past lives perspective, um, how have the nodes been helpful for you in thinking through like your life's calling and your work on this planet? So I'm North Node Pisces and really moving by the water has made such a big difference in my life. It was a very literal manifestation of working with my North node and integrating it was to live on the water. Um, And so working with Pisces energy for me, it's about going with the flow. And you'll notice I talk a lot and I try to um, talk about my life in a way that does involve like the pleasure and ecstasy that I give myself the permission to feel. And that is Pisces North node because up until about 30 years old, I really didn't give myself that permission And so working with your North and South node, it's always a lifelong process, but even just doing simple things with my node has really helped me. And another way that the nodes have really interacted in my life is that the nodes activate eclipses and Mm. eclipses, they're huge change makers in our lives. Eclipses come to expedite that which was already going to change for us in a really big way. And so the nodes right now are in Gemini and Sagittarius. That's where we've been having our eclipses. So I'm looking at the Gemini themes, right? Like community, communication, um, consciousness and mental processing. And then with the South Node and Sag, I'm thinking about global interactions and cultural consciousness and spirituality and belief systems and that free spirit flowing. So everyone, no matter where your nodes are, you can always take notice of where the nodes are in the sky and look at those archetypes and see how you feel. I love that. That's so helpful. Um, Well, I want to, I'm like so torn because I'm like, I could talk to you about stars all day long. Um, And (laughs) I also really want to talk about covens. (laughs) Oh, yes. So um, maybe changing gears a little bit, although I suspect the stars will creep back in. Um, But I had such an amazing experience in Allure, which is your manifestation coven um, that you have been holding. I think I joined this year, but I think it started last year. Um, And I like some of the things I manifested, like included my new home, this podcast, um, my uh, upcoming five month mastermind for women in impact, which is starting in the fall. Um, And I know initially when I joined Allure, I think it was more like a collective and it evolved into a coven. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about what inspired you. Um, Maybe first, like just share like, you know, in your own words, what Allure is um, and then what inspired you to call it a coven. So the Allure Coven is a 90-day manifestation experience. And I originally created it, like you said, as a collective to guide people through three astrological seasons because I love that time frame for movement and impact. And it started out originally for Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius season back in 2020. 
And what ended up happening is that during our calls, they just naturally became coven style, which essentially by definition, coven is a group or gathering of witches who meet regularly. And that started to feel like what we were doing. And it's not to say that everyone who joined like considered themselves a witch, but we were doing astrology, we were doing tarot, we were working with magic, we were working with manifestation. And after I saw how many manifestations were actually happening for people, I recognized that we needed to center the coven aspect. Totally, totally. It was it was so wild to witness some of the things that came true. Um so I'm curious, like, like just so many things, right, within that within that group, within both groups. Um, and just for you, I just want to name really quick how powerful and amazing of a manifester you are and how fun it is to witness you just creating so masterfully. You are amazing. Oh, thank you. Well, I learned from the best. Um, <laughs> and, and I find that um, – I guess, you know, I think it might be helpful to talk a little bit about manifestation and like what what manifestation is and what some of like the tools are to manifest. Um, so I'm curious, like when when you think about manifestation and like you mentioned like, you know, living by the water and your current chapter is like a pretty huge shift in manifestation, like how how do you describe manifesting? How would you like, how do you get started with manifesting a new dream or vision? So my favorite thing to do with manifestation is to actually work with a manifestation framework, which we do inside of Allure, as you know, but the framework, ultimately it's about looking at your astrological natal chart and deciding and co-collaborating with your astrology and deciding what manifestations would be and feel the best. And it's really, for me, when I think of manifestation, it's really not about at all what I should do, but what I desire to do deeply in my life. And I love making that distinction. Totally. I think I, you know, I personally have felt such a huge shift in my life and my business when I actually, instead of just like setting goals, like for the sake of setting goals, like set goals that were specifically tied to what I desired because I was so much more lit up about making things that like I truly deeply wanted happen than like crossing something off a to-do list. I couldn't agree more. I used to be really intense with the to-do list. And even now, I don't know if you do this, but I catch myself doodling them here and there. Like when my oh, hand totally. is idle, <laughs> I'll start <laughs> I'll start a little to-do list and I like cross it out and I'm like, scrap that. What am I doing? Um, but I think for me with astrology, one of the things that I cherish so much about it is that sometimes our astrology, much like talking to a friend, it can sort of tell us things about ourselves that maybe we do not see. And it shows us these gifts and superpowers and capabilities that sometimes are beyond our own lens or our own scope because we're human. And so when you co-create or co-manifest with your astrology, I think that you can manifest a lot grander and larger than maybe you were even initially going to. I think that astrology can help us be really expansive. And I think it really opens us up to possibilities. Totally, totally. I feel like it's just like one other piece of input, right? Like when you're thinking about like, you know, what you want the next month or few months or year to hold, like to look at like, okay, well, like, you know, if these forces are at play, like what would make what I desire like the easiest in terms of timing? Like is there ideal timing to try to pursue something like in the stars? And I think it, like I, you know, I like to look at it too as like an invitation sometimes for ease or like also something to help build awareness of just like, oh, this week might be tough like <laughs> to know going in. Like yes. um, I know we were just talking like, oh, there's a lot happening in October. So that's good to know. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and now that it has to be this like, um, like, you know, close all the curtains, lock yourself inside, like hide from what's coming, but just like a little bit more awareness of how you can like work with what is. It's such an awareness. I love that word. Awareness and astrology go hand in hand. I always think of astrology as like looking at your astrology is like you've you're going you got invited to the Met Gala or something and you get to see what everyone's wearing on the red carpet before the Met Gala actually begins. It's like getting this insider look so that you know what to wear. And I feel like that when we're looking at our astrology, it's like we get this insider look like what is the energy going to be? 
What is the collective consciousness going to be? What it might be for me? And then within that, how do I empower myself? Mm hmm. I love that so much. Well, and I know I feel like in the manifestation work I've done with you, in addition to like spells and rituals, which are themselves so powerful, um, and obviously like sharing and, and being in the collective, um, writing has been a big part of that. Like I actually am still like admittedly not perfectly, but still keeping up with my like daily journaling from a lore of just like keeping track of like, what is it that I'm trying to manifest right now? Um, like what proof do I have that like my dreams can come true? What am I grateful for? Um, how, like, how would you recommend someone who's like thinking about like trying to incorporate journaling into like their own practices? Do you have, have any like prompts or thoughts or tips or tricks on how that can be used for manifestation? So I absolutely love putting the pen to paper, and I think that there's a lot of power in it. One of the things about journaling that I'm sure you know is consistency. So that would be my number one tip with the journaling practice is to try to do it consistently. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to journal for a lengthy time, even just taking you know just a couple minutes every day to check in. And what I love to do when I'm actually journaling for manifestation, I definitely like to find evidence as to how I'm already powerful, to how I'm already a powerful manifester. But one thing that's really foundational in my manifestation practice is reframing blockages and fears for myself. Mm, um, uh -huh. Yeah, I'm just naturally a very anxious person. And sometimes it's, you know, when I'm manifesting, anxiety is obviously not the primary emotion that I want to be creating from. Um, and so when I can reframe fears and blockages, it really helps eliminate a lot of that anxiety and a lot of that not enoughness that can definitely come up, especially for those of us who struggle with poverty consciousness. Totally, totally. No, I, I so appreciate you calling that out. I will say, I think my number one fear that I find when I'm doing my own manifestation-related journaling is scarcity, whether it's scarcity of time or it's just like any – like it's often like the scarcity thing is the thing, right, that needs to be seen and heard. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's what's tough about journaling for manifestation, right, is that we get nervous about what we might write down or not write down because it's like we don't want to go too small. We don't want to go too big. And I think that – that's what can be a little confrontational about a journaling practice. But I think that, like I said, with just a couple minutes every day, I mean, how do you feel? Because I feel like at this point, journaling's my friend, but I know I didn't always feel like that. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely feel like it's something where because I have seen such positive results, like, I mean, I do that as part of like, it's one of many things that I have been doing lately, but like, it's like I'm doing all the things and like they seem to be working. So and because like because it seems to be working, it has that momentum where it's like I don't want to miss it because if that's the key piece of the puzzle that's helping all of this happen, then I want to keep, you know, I want to keep maintaining that momentum. But I think with I, I think what I see and have had challenges with in the past with journaling is just like is establishing that momentum or that routine to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I love momentum for manifestation. And I think even if you're having a manifestation day where you're feeling a little slouchy or down, even just dancing, right? Like turning on some music, just switching up the energy. I love all of that for manifesting. Totally, totally. And I want to come back to something that you said earlier too, which is like the power of speaking it aloud. Um, because I often think that we – you know, it can be super scary, obviously, to like put your desires out into the world, like to tell people what you really want. I don't know about you, but I was definitely like kind of at some point very young in my life, I got the impression that I was supposed to magic what I wanted into people's heads and I was not supposed to tell people what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> And it probably wasn't until I was like, I don't know, maybe like 25 that I first had the thought of like, oh, what if I just said what I want? <laughs> yeah, totally. It can be totally hard to exercise our voices sometimes. Right. But I do think that, you know, again, as as experienced via the coven and also in other aspects of life, like there's something so powerful about just saying what you want. 
Yeah. And saying it in front of other people, you know, in mm -hmm. front of a group really just clarifies it, I think, as well and cements it in. And I love being witnessed and I love to witness other people. It's um, one of the things that I think makes community or can make community really great. Totally, totally. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I so appreciate that. And actually in that vein, I mean, one of the things that I have really admired about you and your work and your business is the extent to which you really create inclusive, like truly inclusive spiritual spaces. And I'm curious, like, do you have any suggestions or recommendations for other people who um, maybe there are spaces that they're curating are spiritual, maybe they're less so, but like, how do you foster that environment of inclusion in, in the spaces that you hold? Well, you have to be willing to put contrast into perspective. And by that, I mean, you almost need to know how other spaces out there might not be serving or might be underserving people, how they might be problematic, the pain that people could be feeling. You do have to familiarize yourself with what is wrong in order to exact in on the solution. So for me, you know, anybody who's wanting to create an inclusive space, or if you feel like your space isn't inclusive enough, my question would be, you know, why and how? And, you know, can you get comfortable looking into that? And then can you use that to get yourself motivated to be like, okay, I'm going to do something different? Because when I started the Allure Coven, it wasn't for no reason. It was because there was, it was exactly what I wanted, what I knew that people wanted from doing market research, and I didn't see anything like it. So mm -hmm. I created it. But I had to be willing to have conversations with people about, okay, have you ever been in a container where you felt unheard, where you weren't witnessed? What was that like? What did what did you experience? And I, you know, having those conversations with people really gave me the motivation to say, okay, I, I don't want a woman in my space to ever feel like this, so I'll make sure that she doesn't. Totally, no, I so appreciate that, and I know that, like, for example, you also have kind of like community guidelines, of, like this is how we will engage, this is how you are expected to show up, like this is how you. Um, this is how you can really contribute to this space. And like, this is what is absolutely not allowed in this space. And, you know, I really admire the way that you kind of have laid those ground rules to make people feel safe. Thank you so much. I'm really big on boundaries. That was another Saturn return lesson because I used to not be, um, but I'm big on boundaries today. And I think that when you are hosting a group, you really do have to lead by example and you have to set the tone of your container and you have to do it pretty early on, pretty quickly. And I think that when you do that, it establishes safety for people and it establishes boundaries that help everyone to feel safe as well. And when you step into a container and the facilitator has said, I've thought intentionally about engagement here, there's just something really nice about that. And I had never experienced that in any containers I had joined previously. So really, they always say your ideal client is you. So if you're out mm -hmm. there and you're wanting to create something, create for yourself, create a container that you would join yourself, that you would no questions asked, no brainer, say absolutely yes to, and just watch the magic pour in when everyone else starts to say yes as well. Oh my goodness. I feel like that is such brilliant advice. Um, and it's so true. I mean, I know the the community that I'm in the process of building right now, it's like a hundred percent what my past self like so desperately wanted and it like did not exist. Um, and it makes it so different to kind of like share the vision with people when I'm like, like this is just something I've wanted for so long, as opposed to like, you know, just like a very strategic thing that did not come from my heart or experience. Yeah. And as a facilitator, it's like when we create things that are exactly where we want to be, well, that's exactly it. That's where we want to be. So then when we're hosting, we're facilitating, we're like really there with our group, with our people. And I think it's always important to remember why we started these businesses. Like we're here to help people at the end of the day, you know? Totally, totally. Like we are here to be of service. And I think, you know, you, it, it's easy or it's, and it's very possible to lose sight of that. But I think when you keep that front and center, it like people feel it. Yeah. And to remember your gifts, especially that's like my number one piece of advice right now that I've just been sharing is to really 
try to remember how powerful you are on like a daily, even hourly basis, but to really remember those gifts because I, I'm someone who believes that everyone is gifted. I really do believe that. Mm, totally. When I imagine looking at so many people's charts too, it's like you get, you see people's gifts, right? Especially <laughs> like what oh, were yeah. they given at birth? Oh yeah, you can see so much in in the chart and to have seen so many charts at this point, it would be impossible for me to not believe that each and every one of you is completely gifted in this world. I love that so much. I think that's such a good reminder. Um, well, I'm curious. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about well, you you mentioned the P word, um and it's funny when I was actually like thinking about questions for podcast interviews that we were still only a year in, but now, you know, it's been well over a year (laughs) going on two years. Um, And while it's been so challenging and so traumatic on so many levels, um, I also know most people have, have been able to find some sort of silver lining from all the transformation that has been taking place. I know you mentioned that you really learned to slow down, um, and have more yin in your life and your business. Um, But what has been the biggest silver lining, you would say, from this experience? I think the biggest silver lining is that through the pandemic, a lot of social issues that were not being talked about enough started to become in the mainstream and spoken about. Um, And I really appreciated that. I really appreciate the movement that's happening. Um, particularly with Black Lives Matter. Um, And I really appreciate that it seems people are more willing to have social conversations about social justice that maybe people weren't willing to have before the pandemic. And I also feel that communication about certain topics in, in the world, I feel people are more open to talk. And I think that there's a little bit more vulnerability right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all of those. I mean, I think we clearly still have so much more work to do on so many of these issues, but like, you know, I do think we finally started to have some really important conversations about racism in the United States and, you know, the changes that we so desperately need to make to the system. Um, And also, I think a lot of the, a lot of like the, I don't know if I want to say facade, but I, I think, you know, because we were all connecting from like a corner of our bedroom or from, you know, from our lives at home. I think, you know, someone mentioned to me the other day that they've really seen a shift in like how human their colleagues seem because they aren't people that they were just interacting with in a conference room. It's like you can't hide the screaming child or, (laughs) you know, whatever the situation is. And so that people have become so much more three-dimensional. I resonate with that. People do seem so much more human these days. Totally, which is so refreshing. It is refreshing. I think I sat in my shit a lot as well, and that was a silver lining on a a personal level, Um, being able to do that, not running. um, You know, when we were in that lockdown, I did so much inner work, and I know a lot of other people did, and I, I would say that could be a silver lining as well. Totally, totally. No, I really appreciate that. Um, I feel like, yeah, there's nothing like a a global pandemic to make you sit with (laughs) everything all at once. (laughs) Sitting, sitting and sitting and sitting, yes. Totally, totally. Um, Well, I'm curious. I always love to hear this um, from different people, you know, such different perspectives, but if you were to give advice to your younger self, and you can really pick any age, and it, or it can be just kind of like general advice, like what advice do you like wish someone had given you when you were younger? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is this, I don't know, however many year rendezvous I had pre-Saturn return, where I was basically from 18 to maybe 25, during that period of time in my life, I was really, I would, I don't want to say misguided, but I was really fiercely and wildly independent in a way that really closed me off from love, um, from the possibility of deeper connections, and quite frankly, a little bit cut off from the collective consciousness. I really wasn't able to tap in as much. And so I think for me, the advice that I would give to my younger self during that time would be to let people in 
And the advice that I would give to my younger self, that I would give to anyone, and even still give to myself this day, is to really remember that we are we can't do this alone. We're nothing without each other, and other people are our greatest resource. Mm, oh my gosh. I I love that so much. I feel like my younger self definitely needed to hear that. <laughs> it's like advice yeah. I would give myself today. I love that other people are our greatest resource. I think especially like learning to ask for help can be so challenging. <laughs> so hard, especially if you are someone who has a lot of cardinal energy in your astrology, right? Um, or depending on your astrology, it can be especially difficult for people who are wildly independent or who are really self-sustaining. I think it can be very difficult to ask for help if you find yourself, you know, being used to doing it all. Totally, totally. Well, and for anyone listening who doesn't know what a cardinal sign is, do you mind sharing? Yeah. So this is actually a fun part of astrology that really enticed me. So I, when I was first studying astrology, you know how we have the seasons. We have the spring equinox that is ruled by the sign Aries. Then we have the summer equinox that's ruled by the sign Cancer. Then we have the autumn equinox, which is ruled by the sign Libra. And then we have the winter solstice, which is ruled by Capricorn. And those four signs are the cardinal signs, and they each rule a season. So they're called cardinal. And if you have them heavily placed in your chart, you are definitely slated toward being really independent, being an initiator, being a self-starter, self-sufficient, being a really big go-getter. Totally, totally. I love – thank you for explaining that. Um, and then just as context too for anyone who's listening, and I actually – Rock, I'm, my mind is going blank because I know I have a lot of like fixed energy in my chart, um, but there are three. It's cardinal fixed, and what's the third type of energy that you can have in the houses? So we have cardinal, we have fixed, and we have mutable. Mutable. Gotcha. Yes. And then it's earth, air, fire, water. So you look to see how many water placements you have, how many earth, how many air, how many fire. So I'm looking at your chart right now. For example, you're very fiery. <laughs> yeah. And that surprises yeah. no one. Um, a lot of fire, a lot of water. <laughs> a lot of fire. Yeah. So your chart is mostly fire and water. And the predominant mode for you would be fixed. So cardinal is like the boss, I'm the initiator. Fixed is the connoisseur, the one who knows everything. And mutable is the flexible, adaptable one. So for you, you've got those connoisseur vibes. Like you've got these things that you know, and you know a lot about them. And you're the go-to for those things because you absolutely know them so well. Fixed energy is very self-assured and for a really good reason. And you've got so much of that going on in your chart. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I think it's so fascinating. And I think for anyone listening, again, if you're like, you know, already very in interested in astrology or even just kind of curious, I think one of the things I've learned from Iraq is like, there are so many layers. Like, you know, you may start with your with your sun sign and then like move to rising and moon. Um, but there's just like an endless number of like, aspects and interpretations. It's like once you learn about the signs, you can learn about the houses and then you can learn about the planets and then you can learn about these different energies. And it really is just such an immense body of work. It is. And there's so many different ways to consume and to learn astrology. You know, there's visual ways of learning, audio ways of learning. You can read, you can keep it simple. You can you can go all the way with it. You can become an astrologer. You can learn the math. You can skip the math. I feel like it's a choose your own adventure. Ah, oh, I love that. I am here for choose your own adventures. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, I definitely um, want people to find out how they can like learn more about and connect with you. And actually, before I ask you to share all of that info, um, you've already shared some pretty brilliant and inspiring quotes in our conversation, but um, one of my like dream visions for this podcast, um, well, let me back up a second. So one of my favorite podcast questions is uh, Tim Ferriss, I think at least used to, I don't listen to his podcast as much anymore, but he used to ask his guests if they could have a billboard what would they put on the billboard? Um, but I and most of the women I know are like 
have inspirational post-it notes written all over our workspaces. <laughs> and so one day I would totally aspire to print a deck of all the inspirational like quotes that um, the people have been sharing with me that are on their post-its on their desks. And so if you were to get your own post-it in the stack, what quote would you want to be in there? <laughs> Okay, so this was difficult for me to answer because I am through and through a Sagittarius rising. Um, But I think for me, it would be rule number one, you got to have fun. Ah, that's such a good one. (laughs) That's it. Like you just, I know it's triggering. I know we can't have fun all the time, but can we? (laughs) I certainly, I mean, one of the post-its I have on my desk right now says yes to fun and changing the world. So. Yes. Okay. This is so aligned then. How perfect. Totally. Totally. I love it. Um, Oh my gosh. Well, I could talk to you for hours um, and I totally would, but I also want to be respectful of your time and our listeners' time. And so um, on the note of rule number one (laughs) is to have fun. Um, Let's go ahead and wrap things up. But I would love for you to share um, if people want to to find you, to connect with you, to manifest with you, um, where where on the internet, and this will be in the show notes as well, but where did you exist? I exist on my website, which is astrologywithraquel.com, and I love teaching. So if you go to my website, I always have live workshops that are upcoming. I have content that is pre-recorded that you can download instantly. And then I always have open containers of some sort, whether it's a lure or something different. So you can go ahead and find me there. And I'm also having so much fun as always over on Instagram. My handle is astrology.with.raquel. Oh my goodness. Yes. Your Instagram is like such a great source of insight and intel. So definitely would suggest that people follow you if they are astro curious or wanting to go deeper. Yeah. And send me a DM. Let me know that you listen to the podcast. I always, always love to hear from you. Amazing. Um, Well, thank you so much for making time for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Again, I think we could have talked for hours, so we may have to come back and have another conversation. (laughs) Yes. Anytime. I would love to come back. Anytime. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you and everyone listening. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Women Changing the World podcast. Please rate and review the Women Changing the World podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at Liz, L-A-S dot best, B-E-S-T, or by searching my name on LinkedIn. You can also sign up for my three-day personal branding challenge, which is totally free, by visiting my website, which is Elizabeth with an S, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, best, B-E-S-T, dot com slash personal branding challenge. See you in the next episode.